You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Audition side job swimming upstream. Believe it or not, you're living the dream. Hey guys, Rory O'Malley. Welcome to Living the Dream. I am talking to you right now from Los Angeles, and it is not sunny Los Angeles, it is rainy Los Angeles. It has rained almost every day since I've gotten back, but I'll tell you what, I don't care. I don't care at all. I'm with my husband, we've been reunited after 10 months of me being in New York City and he being in Los Angeles, and... I'm just so happy. I've basically just rested for an entire week, not even unpacked, but uh, I've been watching movies and TV every night when he comes home from work, and uh, I'm just, I'm really, really happy. I don't know if you can tell, um, but it, it's uh, it's good. It's good to be home. It's good to be in California. I do love it here, um, and uh I feel really good about at everything that happened at the end of Hamilton. It was just such a great uh, goodbye, farewell um, from the company, and and I don't know. It, it, sometimes you can leave a job and you feel like you didn't get enough out of the experience, or you know you wished it could have gone on forever and ever. And I'm just so lucky that I get to have this break and then start up again with a new company. Uh, the last time I spoke with you, I was about to head to the first rehearsal. I got to meet the entire cast very, very quickly. They are in rehearsals right now, uh, learning the music, learning the choreography, and I've got my 10 minutes down after 300 and some performances. So I get to have my vacation time with my husband, which is really great. Um, my guest this week is Brett Schuford who is a friend of mine for years and years now, more years than I, <laughs> I would like to admit. Uh, I, he's one of the first people I met when I moved to New York City. I go into this a little bit, but he gave me some of the best advice I ever got when I moved to New York City. When I didn't get a job, uh, he told me, even though it was a Broadway job, he reminded me that it is just a job that it is not everything. And for whatever reason, you hear that a bunch of times in this career, you hear that in life, that it's not, it's just a job, it's not the everything. But for whatever reason, hearing it from him on that day, I could really truly hear it and listen to those words. And I picked myself back up from my pit of despair that I was in and kept moving forward. 
And I'm really grateful to him and to so many people that you meet when you first get into this business who keep you going and don't discourage you because there's a lot that can discourage you, but uh, hopefully you can be surrounded by positive people who have fought hard to get where they are. And and Brett had only been in the business in, in New York City for a few years, but you know, those two or three years more than, than me, that, that felt like an entire lifetime of wisdom. And so I've always been really grateful for him. And he is in Paramore on Broadway right now. He's been in a, in a bunch of Broadway shows. He has a really great career. And uh, he's, he's also uh, doesn't drink. And I don't drink. And that's one of the reasons that we got to know each other early on when I moved to New York City. And that's a huge part of my way of surviving this business. It's not something that I talk about too often, uh, unless I'm asked about it, and then I'll talk about it all day long. But not drinking and not getting into uh, other kinds of ways of escape is a really important part of how I've managed to stay in this business and how I've survived. Because drinking was a really great tool for me in the beginning when I was out in in the world on my own, until it wasn't, until it became something that was really difficult for me to manage. And as soon as I stopped drinking, as soon as I stopped looking for chemicals <laughs> to make me happy, my life changed and uh, my career changed, uh, not overnight, but I'm more present and happy and uh, Brett is somebody who I looked to for that guidance as well. So I was so happy to get to sit down and speak with him. He's an amazing guy, came from the middle of nowhere, Texas to Broadway and I think his story is pretty amazing. So here it is, my interview with Brett Schuford. Um, hi, Brett. Hi, Ward. How you doing? I'm good. Thanks for uh, talking with me on the podcast. Oh my God, I love your podcast. You do. You've yeah, been listening I love you. to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, right back at you. Yeah. Uh, you've been. Um, I've known you for probably as long as I've known anybody in New York City because you're one of the first people I met in the city. Probably like ten years. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah. yeah. Almost exactly. Which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I met you um, about 10 years ago. And I will never forget, you were so good for me in my early days in New York City. And you may not know this, you may not, but I I got my first Broadway show, Spelling Bee. Uh And I remember there was, um, I I, I did it for like six months. And then my contract was up. And then there was this moment where it was going to come back up again because somebody was leaving and maybe I could go back in. And I had to re-audition with everybody else. And I didn't get it. I didn't go back in because they needed a specific thing and blah, blah, blah. I was so upset. And you said to me, it's just a job. It's just a job. Don't worry about it. And you were somebody who had been on Broadway. You knew I knew that you were way more experienced than I was, especially in, in the New York community, which I had just gotten to that year. And for whatever reason, you saying it is when I heard it. Huh. And it really affected me because 
I can't, you know, obviously I'm always having to remember it's just a job. It's just well, a me job. Me too. Yeah. Like <laughs> I'm sure I was saying not... what I needed to hear. Exactly. But, <laughs> but for me at that time, it was when it was really, when I felt like this was the only chance I was going to ever have mm-hmm. to have a Broadway experience because it was my first Broadway experience. <laughs> How could I not be continuing to do it? And it felt so devastating. And you saying that really kind of kept me my head in the game and and level about the whole thing and within a month i was doing happy days the musical which i again. saw you do like you i did. came I out to that. paper mill you and did saw it. yeah oh my god and that's one of the first times i saw you perform but i just knew you socially you know? right so funny yeah uh so you grew up in texas yeah i grew up i grew up in small town well suburbia uh-huh. um in, in beaumont texas okay and uh what part of what is that close to <laughs> it's really not close to anything Nothing. it's closer to louisiana it's on i-10 okay and it's um houston is where you would fly into there used to be a small airport in beaumont which you can't fly into anymore um but i, I mean my earliest childhood memories are are being in beaumont and we lived on a little cul-de-sac and i have a twin brother right we're the youngest yeah and then I have two older brothers, and um, you know, it was Beaumont. <laughs> and everybody always references Footloose when they hear Beaumont. Beaumont, where oh, the hell is Beaumont? Right, 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 right. Okay. Um, but it's not spelled the same, and Got it. and that's a fictional town. This okay. Is, Beaumont is very real. <laughs> it's very real, but it, could it be? Is it the same type of town? Like it was very conservative, yeah. or yeah, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a good old Texas. Like, actually, this week they just celebrated 110 years of the Spindletop oil boom, which is what put Beaumont on the map 110 oh, years the ago. the famous Spindletop oil boom mm-hmm. that we all know about. That, yeah, that's on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> They're, like, celebrating the oil that's not there anymore. Wow. Well, that's <laughs> something. So you came from that town, and now you are a Broadway performer. That Like... Did that seem, was it always what you wanted to do? How did you get from Beaumont was, to Broadway? It was, for me, you know, like I listen to um, your podcast and I hear all these amazing stories about people who like lived 25 miles or 25 minutes from New York City yeah. or got to go to like these amazing camps. Yeah. You know, these, I was stuck in this like town with yeah. my mom was a nurse, my dad worked for an oil they tow barges up and down the rivers for for oil companies and you know my brothers liked football my oldest brother uh, eric is mentally handicapped uh-huh. and so we always had to deal sort of help him and help sort of break him in socially and all you know that was a lot of pressure for a kid and um but i remember i think every, you know everyone my age pretty much it started with annie Right. It always does. It always does. I was like five years old and I just loved that movie. And I had, my parents got me the album, which I think they regretted because all I did was play it over and over again. And for Christmas, I even got an Annie doll when I was five. And my brothers used to torment that doll and like pick her hair out and I would cry. And um, and I, and I, I don't know. I think I... In hindsight, I look back on that time, and I think, I think I identified with Annie because I always felt a bit like an orphan there, mm-hmm. just because I didn't fit in. Like they all an outsider, yeah. Just you know, was waiting for somebody to come 
Punjab to fly in right. and take me away in his helicopter. Um, but I was in, I just thought life was a musical. I skipped and sang and danced and was very much myself regardless of what was happening around me, mm-hmm. which I think was kind of cool, you know, yeah. for a kid growing up there, you know. Right. And so when, um, oh, I remember, I remember, the, remember, the, remember the very, very first time I saw a live show was at our local library. There was a, um, like a temporary stage that, you know, do you remember, I don't, I don't know if you remember these at all, but this is the 80s. They had these little temporary metal stages that they would set up and there was this group of kids singing songs about don't talk to strangers and right. don't do drugs and they were they had these t-shirts that said the gingerbread company mm-hmm. and they sang all these songs and it was like you know they were popular songs um and when they f- they were singing and dancing and then when they finished i just started weeping like uncontrollably crying my mom was with my brothers and she thought i was stung by a bee that's how dramatic it was wow. and she was trying to find the bee sting and trying to figure it out and when she finally calmed me down she said, what, you know, she was trying to get, get an answer from me. I said, I want to do that. So, hmm. so I knew. like Just a drama, drama from the start. <laughs> Traumatic <laughs> crying. That's how you knew it was your dream. I knew it. I knew it. That's funny. <laughs> Usually people are like, oh, and then I was so happy. You're like, you, do you think it was like you saw those kids on stage and you were like, it just, it was too exciting for you? Or you were like, jealous that they were up there and you were or you were scared to tell your mom what was it why were you I crying i think that i watched a lot of i i don't know i think i i tend to live a bit in uh, live my life a bit like i'm in a fantasy sometimes uh-huh. i love disney that's right. like a big thing for me right and i think there's a reason i think having a handicapped brother was was one thing i think just a way to escape you know reality right but i think watching a lot of movie musicals and then not knowing that you could actually do that in reality hmm. was a big thing. It's not, not like my parents were theater people. Right. You know, so I, so it was the first time I'd seen people live in person doing that. And I didn't know that you could actually physically do that. Right. Um, and I think that was a shock to me. And there's only like a few times in my life where I felt that sort of visceral, uncontrollable reaction. One was that one was the first time I saw my first Broadway show. And I think and then another, I think another was when I, I booked my first Broadway show, and I, I think that there was also this part of me I've always like battled with self esteem, and a big part of that was I didn't know that I, that it was possible, right. you know, like this belief that I could do that, right, you know, um, and of course being in Beaumont, Texas, like New York and Broadway and all of it just seemed so far away. Yeah, a different country. Yeah, just yeah. totally foreign. So my mom like went up to the head, the, whoever, the, there was a woman standing there conducting the kids and making sure they knew the choreography. And she was like, you know, I'm wiping the tears off my face. And she's like, my son really wants to do this. Oh my God. <laughs> so the woman like enlisted me and I was like, already I was the dance captain. And I was like, so I was, you literally walked up and you were, you were like, I'm going to be in the gingerbread kids. Ginger, or... Gingerbread company. Oh, and there's a, my mom put us all in it because it was easier for those four boys. And it was, we're all right. If one's in going, age. y'all yeah. gotta go to something. They hated it. Oh, like, hated it so much. God. And I was just so happy doing jazz squares in the front and singing. And, um, 
And I have this great picture of me and my twin brother, and he's standing there. He's wearing his gingerbread company t-shirt, and I've got mine on, but I'm wearing Mork and Mindy rainbow suspenders, which I think was foreshadowing. And, oh my god! And I'm giving you like total jazz hands. Yeah, in the photo. full out. That's amazing. So you are in the gingerbread company yeah. for a long period of time and then no i think it was like maybe a year and okay. then my dad saw that the port arthur port arthur beaumont port arthur and orange texas make up the golden triangle and so my dad worked in orange we lived in beaumont and there was this town called port arthur it was it's still there <laughs> um and they had a community theater there the port arthur little theater and they were doing annie Oh my God, the show. Oh, and I'm seven years old and my dad, my dad is the person who saw it in the paper. And actually they had already been in rehearsals and he just saw that they were doing Annie and he called them and said, my son loves the movie Annie. Can he be in your show? That's so sweet. Yeah. And then they, they found something for me to do. There's nothing for little boys in that show, but they found like they added a scene from the movie where the boys chase the dog down the alley and they just gave me that and they just like, you know, copied it from the movie. That's and then so that was nice. my first, um, show. Wouldn't that be great if that's how easy Broadway was? Just have your dad call me. My son loves Hamilton. Can he play the king? I mean, like, that would be so much easier than everything I else. I think there's, there's people that still believe that that's, that's probably possible. true. They're like, it's always who you know. You need to know somebody who can call someone. And It's like my aunt will just say to me, yeah. why don't you just call them up and yeah. just say, yeah. you know, I want to be in Hamilton. If you really like that show. <laughs> you should you should be in Wicked. Okay, yeah. thanks. Yeah, yeah, I should be. Yeah. But, yeah. That's true. That's true. Well, <laughs> hey. In Texas, that is how it works, and mm-hmm. that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. So you so you start being in shows in Texas. You did it in high school, and yeah. So I did community theater. Like I, I I feel like community theater was my like training. Yeah. <laughs> and I was doing. You know, I was I was taking dance classes. Um, that was a big thing for me, and then um, when I was like eleven, I guess I was a huge Debbie Gibson fan huge like I had her Amazing. poster on my wall I knew all of her songs I would go to the mall and go to the recording studio in the mall and sing her songs which I still have on tape somewhere and I remember they had like a book sale at school and I got this book like a bop magazine or book or something and it was like Fred Savage and Debbie Gibson and they talked she talked about an agent and I didn't even really know what an agent was right. but I went to my mom and I said I want an agent at 11 and she uh, was like, how do you know what the hell that is? Yeah. And I was like, I, well, Debbie Gibson has one. And I want to be Debbie Gibson. So so that's <laughs> step one. So we went to Olin Mills, like the family photo place. And they took some like photos of me. Perfect. <laughs> yeah, my first headshot. Right. And like glamour shot? Yeah. Oh, perfect. yeah. I mean, not headshots at all. Like glamour shots. And then um, we went to Houston, which was an hour and a half away. Okay. And my mom helped me get an agent in Houston. Wow. Yeah. I had a meeting with this agency. And their big, their first thing for, to me was, you should get, he needs to get into acting classes. Hmm. So in this, while I'm still doing community theater and um, in Beaumont, my mom on Saturdays between, on the weekends, would drive me an hour and a half each way to Houston to take these all-day acting classes. Wow. Yeah crazy that's amazing yeah. that she would do that yeah 
and but the other boys didn't have to go. No, Bart, my twin brother Bart was um, he did a little bit of acting, but he got really sick of it quickly. Yeah. And all my brothers did community theater at one point. There's some I have some video of um, all of us doing Oliver, oh, and my brothers weird. are freaking miserable. They're just uh, like, they're like food, <laughs> glorious food. They're just like miserable. Um, so. Yeah, so I ended up getting this agent. I remember I, would, I, t- I took these great, I did some great acting classes, and I'm still friends with people right. from that class. This girl, Kelly, who is now like a big talking head on CNN, and she's written books, uh, political books. Like she was in those acting classes. Wow. Right? And, um, and I remember I auditioned for a couple movies and got down to the end. Like I remember I met Amy Irving. I, I was auditioning to be her son, and I met her, and I said, I'm very opinionated and (laughs) and I had watched a bunch of her movies to sort of prepare to meet her right I was like 13 and I was like oh my god I watched a bunch of movies that one movie was oh (laughs) didn't get the part (laughs) did you think in your 13 year old mind did you think like well if I tell her an opinion maybe she'll take me more seriously or you just like I just say whatever I no I think I thought oh we'll have I have an in if I tell her my opinion then we can both agree on something right put in my mouth Uh, that did did not go well (laughs) but I remember thinking that was really cool and like for me like I didn't believe any of that was really possible so it was like um, you know self esteem was always a big thing for me I really battled with um, because I even wanted to go to, I, I tried to convince my parents, like I, I had sat them down and I, and I had this meeting with them before high school and I was like, I want to go to the high school performing arts in Houston. Like, how do we make this happen? Maybe I could live with some people I know from those acting classes or blah, blah, blah. And like tried to reason with them. And my mom was like, absolutely not. Right. Like, you're not leaving my house. You have to stay here. And what we actually ended up doing was moving from Beaumont to a smaller town called Orange, Texas. Mm. But what's really cool is that Orange, the, the high school there, had this great drama teacher, this guy, Ken Rush, whose daughter is Jessica Rush. Do you know Jessica? Yeah. And Eric Anderson's her. Yes. Husband. Jessica and I met doing community theater in Beaumont. What? Yeah, but I thought she was in Orlando. So yeah, so when we were twelve or thirteen, she's actually the first person I told I was gay. Aww. When I was like in the right in the mix of that, we were doing Brigadoon at the Beaumont Civic Opera, which was a step up from the Beaumont Community Players, oh. and um, as far as money, sure. And we were doing. Man, Brig- you were getting paid at these things. No. Oh, no, okay. No, 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 no. As far as their val- production I values, see, I see, okay. <laughs> I wish. I was like, man, Beaumont. I'm gonna look Bo- into it. Man, they probably could. Uh, anyway, Jessica Rush, her dad was like directing these shows and was running that drama program in, at this high school in Orange. And we would, you know, we were in play practice one day. She's the first person I was like, I think I'm going to be gay. But then I, we moved my freshman year of high school. We moved to Orange so that I could be in Ken Rush's classes. Oh my gosh! Which was cool because he was a great teacher and he had a great program. And and at the end of my freshman year, they moved to Orlando. Wow. Yeah. So then I was like, the rest of high school sucked. Because I was like, I didn't have a great drama teacher. Right. And I, you know, it was, yeah, high school for me was just not fun. Because I knew when I, it was just one of those things where I feel like you're such an, you're such a weird kid when you know what you want to do. Yeah. 
especially that early on. Yeah, if you know what you want to do when you get to college, it's abnormal. So when you're a freshman in, in high school, yeah, it's it's hard to go to a place for a general education when you feel like you are have this laser focus on exactly what you want. Right, and then also to be in like a football town. Yeah. As like this kid who's like president of the choir club, president of the drama club, right. and taking dance classes and doing dance competitions. Right. Um, so did you have? Did you get bullied in high school, or were you like just like uh, the happy guy everybody likes? But you know, I got bullied a little bit. Um, like people would write "fag" on my locker. Or, yeah. um, you know that happened a little bit. I was so insecure at school because I was just afraid that I, tr- I tried to stay in the closet as much as I could I didn't want to talk about my sexuality and I was also had a lot of pressure from my mom yeah. to stay in the closet and pray about it I mean there's a lot of that right um, which made it really really difficult sure. to, to feel comfortable in my skin so I remember I got very involved in church I was just I made myself so busy by doing choir by doing all the shows doing community theater right doing um i got elected to the state board for the thespian society and i was doing those meetings and i was doing dance competitions on the weekends i mean i was i kept myself so busy that i didn't have to think about a lot of that stuff right because i was just like okay i'm gonna stay focused 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 on this yeah and that, that was high school for me like i don't even remember much about school itself it was everything i was doing outside of it right around it yeah and it's just keeping your mind off of who you are <laughs> trying, <laughs> trying which is a lot of work it was hard and then I remember my senior year, Beaumont Community Players, which, you know, I grew up doing theater at, was doing Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and they cast me as Joseph. Oh my gosh. What? <laughs> and I remember thinking I was such a star. Yeah. I was like, oh yeah, I'm playing the lead. The lead. And it was that show, it was like the end of my senior year of high school where I was doing that. And um, I think that was when I kind of went, oh, I'm gay. Huh, who cares? No big deal. I mean, it took, it was like four years of torture. And then at the end of that year, I was like, oh, that's like my kneecap and the vast amount of who I am. Like, it right. doesn't really mean that much. Right. That was a big deal for me. Yeah. That's you. But it's also like, I think that that's fairly young. I mean, I didn't really get, go there mentally until I was in college, until uh, I was like out of my home bubble. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, that's pretty young. great. Yeah, I was seventeen, especially in nine. I graduated in ninety-seven. Right. And I remember that year was like that was the year Ellen DeGeneres came out. Right. And I remember watching that with my parents and like being like, "Are you guys paying attention?" Yeah. 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 So you graduate from high school and you went to college. Well, actually, what I ended up doing this is like the story of my life. Huh. I ended up. There was a there was a equity theater, a summer stock theater in Galveston, Texas. That's mm-hmm. not there anymore. Okay. Called the Galveston Island Outdoor Musicals. Oh. And it's on the it was on this huge park, like National Park Reserve, and they had this outdoor amphitheater, <clears throat> huge stage, huge cement stage, and um, I remember I saw in the paper that they were holding local auditions my senior year. So I drove to Galveston and I, I auditioned and got cast in as an, as an apprentice. So <clears throat> here I am, barely out of the closet, 17 years old, never lived outside of Orange, Texas. And I, my senior 
the night of my graduation, drove to Galveston to live on this compound with all these New York actors and people from uh, from other areas like Miami. And I was so green. I mean, when I think about the people that I worked with that summer, I get so embarrassed because I was just so green. Yeah. Like beyond green. But there was like Erica Mansfield, who is an ensemble um, performer here in New York, was in On the Town with Steven. And, um, there's like a bunch of people who I still see nowadays. And every time I see them, I like go, I'm so sorry. I was uh, so green. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I didn't, people were drinking. I was like, what's that? People were doing drugs. Like, what are those? I mean, I really knew nothing. I'd been living in this like shell. Yeah. Um, and we did three shows. We did Oklahoma, Singing in the Rain, which was a disaster. Danette Holden was in that. Who's okay. doing Cagney right now? Probably she went yeah. to the CCM. Um, it was and, a disaster. Oh, it was a disaster. Like things went wrong? Oh, yeah. Because it's an outdoor theater. I see. But I was so green, I didn't really know the difference. Mm. I was like, oh, the pipes are supposed to bust in the middle of the show and like water is everywhere. It's raining. (laughs) Just keep singing and singing in that rain. I knew. Wow. I just was clueless. And I was just like, everything was just so like. So was that a whole year or the summer? Just the summer. So that that was my first professional experience. Okay. In Galveston. And then I went, I, my parents really didn't want me to come to New York. So I ended up getting a full scholarship to University of Oklahoma. Wow. And I, I went there my freshman year. Yeah. And Oklahoma is really, it's just drier, but it's like Beaumont. Sure. It felt very similar. So it didn't feel different. And uh, the program had a great teacher who was similar to high school after my freshman year left. Um, and that year, I mean, like the first show they did, I got cast in and, and, you know, seniors don't like it when freshmen get cast. I remember we did, um, Will Rogers Follies and then we did falsettos. I played wizard. Wow. And then freshman year, freshman year. I I know. I like came in roaring and, um, you know, the seniors resented me. I remember that. Um, (laughs) who cares? And then, um, and then that teacher left, and I ended up working at Lyric Theater in Oklahoma, which is a great summer stock program the next summer. And um, I met some people there who I just became really great friends with, and we did, I think we did five shows in, you know, 10 weeks or something. Wow. You know, crazy like that. And, you know, great training doing summer stock in college. But it was all ensemble work, and I met a lot of people who... Um, who were from New York, and that was, you know, I, I, I've always been a people person, and that's, I think, the one thing that sort of has driven me is, like, when I meet people, I stay in touch, and I'm just, sure. like, I like to, I'm just very loyal like that. Yeah. And so all these people I met, even in Galveston, I still, you know, stay in touch with, and I remember Lyric Theater Oklahoma, that teacher left, and then I went back to OU for the sophomore year, and oh my God, they took his... They took his uh, position and they divided it into two people. Okay. They hired two new people. I don't want to say names. Um, okay. But I, I really want to. <laughs> they they hired this one woman to teach voice, which was fine. And then they hired this other woman to sort of be our musical theater performance teacher. Mm-hmm. And she like came from Dallas and had worked in like the voiceover industry and doing jingles in Dallas. And this, she's teaching us how to audition for musical theater. Uh-huh. And I remember our first class, we walked in. God, I really 
but uh, I'm not going to. Okay. I'm resisting. Um, we walked into class, and she, this is literally what she told us in, uh, this is my sophomore year audition class. She's like, you, when you walk into, when you show up at an audition, you should show up late, because it's always a good idea just to make them think you're busy, you were coming from a gig. Walk in the room. Well, that's horrible. Oh, this is just the beginning. <laughs> just imagine somebody walking into an audition and doing this. Uh-huh. Walk in the room and set your music down at the piano, but don't say anything to the pianist. Then walk into the center of the room, say, hey, you know, I'm Brett Shuford. I'm singing, um, you know, whatever. Um, and look at the pianist and count them in. A one, a three, a one, two, three, four. Because there's a little known fact in the recording industry. They don't say one, a two, like most people think. It's a one, a three. That's how you should count the piano scene. <laughs> then you should pick a letter from the alphabet and stage your song on that letter. So if it's like a capital T, you walk down stage a little bit, then stage right a little bit, stage left, and then maybe back to center and then back up. If it's an I, you know. Right. Just pick a capital letter. It's a great idea for you to like stage your song just on. Just move. And then when you're done, don't talk to them. Grab your music. Say, got a gig, got to go. That's how it's done in Dallas, Brett. I'll never forget that. Wow, that is all of the worst (laughs) advice I've ever heard. I can't figure out which is the worst part. I think the letters, walking in a letter formation. That's crazy. I remember there were some students who made fun of it, and they did a lowercase i, and they would walk down stage a little bit, and then hop. Uh, Well, okay, maybe it was a comedy class, and you all didn't realize she's a genius. Wow. I remember I left that class and I had taken acting classes all, you know, in Houston and, um, you know, I, I, at a certain level, I mean, mm-hmm. I, I had a lot to learn, but a certain, I had a, I had a certain level of knowledge that seems more than some of the people I was in school with. And I remember feeling very strongly like this is a waste of our money right. and our time. Right. And I went to the, the dean of the program and I was like, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And that's when I decided I didn't want to be there anymore. Right. I also hated Oklahoma. I was still like, you know, dealing with a lot of repressed sexual stuff and dealing with, and you're in Oklahoma where everybody's sexually repressed. Well, right. I don't want to generalize, but sure. the the homosexual community at the time, the people I was meeting, I was hearing some like crazy religious stuff. And I was like, okay, what am I doing in Oklahoma? Right. And it's not I'm really like, where you're going to... Blossom mean, into the young gay man that you knew you were. Well, or or even just like I knew I wanted to be on Broadway. Right. Why am I in Oklahoma? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I ended up doing um, summer stock that next summer in Wichita, uh-huh. music theater of Wichita, sure. which is a great place to work. And Wayne and the guys who run that place, I still. Do you know Thomas Douglas? He no. was a conductor. He conduct. He was a voice teacher at our school who usually did a lot of conducting there. He was probably there after I. Okay. After I was there. This is 99. And I decided that year after that Glenny Ty thing, oh, I just said her name. Ah. Um, after that teacher, um, I was like, okay, I don't want to stay here. So I, I had an acting teacher from, who would come in from New York um, to Houston to teach workshops who had taught at Wagner College in oh, yeah, yeah. New York. Mm-hmm. And so I knew of Wagner through him. 
and it was a liberal arts, small liberal arts school, not a big university like like OU. Um, it wasn't NYU, which was going to cost arm and a leg to yeah. go to. And also, when I reached out to NYU, which I looked at transferring to NYU, they wanted me to go a whole another year. Wow. So they wanted me to like pay for two more years of school plus a whole another year. I was like, I, I couldn't afford it. No. Um, and so I looked at Wagner, and I really, when my dad and I came up and took a trip and, and visited Wagner, and I saw they they were doing nine, a college production of nine, and it was so. It was not like OU had a lot of money to put up shows. They had like a small amount of money, but there was so much passion behind what they were doing. Yeah. And the school was like this sort of old turn of the century building, and the theater is not very high tech. But there was so much passion behind the students and what they were doing. And you're in New York, but you're kind of not because you're in Staten right, Island. Right. There's a nice distance, but it's accessible. Yeah. So I applied. I I applied for them. They accepted me. But I remember this was like a big turning point for me. I remember they weren't going to transfer all my credits. And they wanted me to go another like semester. Hmm. And I remember I called, this is, this is how like ambitious I guess I was, maybe am. I remember I took their catalog of classes and the OU catalog of classes and I took and highlighted the equivalent of each and called the registrar's office and said, here's why you should transfer this class because it's this class. I faxed them over all the information and they took all my credits. Wow. So I didn't have to finish. I would go and go an extra semester. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, that saves a lot. <laughs> you know, like that's that's really important. I think people, when they go into a conservatory or when they're like, credits is a, a big thing. So it's good to know, not just signing up for a school, but knowing what kind of credits you're going to be getting. Because if you do want to go somewhere else, if you do want to do something else, you're going to want to have knowledge of what you're paying for. Yeah. Credits are really, they cost a lot of money. Yeah. So you should know what they are. And I think that a lot of times we don't know until you're in a situation uh, that you were in and then you figure it out and you send it to the next school. Or if you are in the middle of acting school and you realize, I want to be a lawyer. You know, I have a lot of friends who were in that situation yeah. where it's like, okay, well, I got to restart everything because, because none nothing of credits count. transfers yeah. and so maybe you don't want to go to a conservatory maybe you want to be a theater major but you want it in a more liberal arts education um wagner is such a great school i've met so many wonderful human beings from wagner and i think that that turns out to be what my favorite thing about a, a conservatory or theater school is is not what kind of famous people they're turning out but what kind of quality of mm. human being they turn out and there's a couple schools like uh, like Wagner or like Elon mm -hmm. um, there that are not these huge schools but are really really good at what they do and also just have some really good people good people and if if you ask me what's most important in this business it's not getting into the best school it's finding a way to uh enjoy what you do and to be happy and that's you know like what i always talk about on this podcast and i think that starting in a place like a wagner or an elon or one of these schools that really is more of a has an intimate relationship with the students um i think that that's a really great way to start look i mean if i had known i mean if my my parents didn't know anything and i really didn't i was kind of on my own in high school trying to figure stuff out especially after 
Ken Rush had left. I didn't really have a great drama teacher. If I had known about some of these schools, and we didn't really have internet yet, if yeah. I'd known about CCM or Carnegie Mellon, if I'd had mm-hmm. a teacher that was like, go do right. that, I probably would have auditioned. I didn't even audition for those schools because yeah. I didn't even know. Right. You know? So I think it's also a really interesting thing, too, because I think a lot of people think you have to get into the schools in order to have a career. And yeah. I think it's also valuable for people to hear that you don't have to go to those schools to have a career in New York. Absolutely, yeah. Does it make it easier? Maybe. But who knows, you know? I think that um, getting an education in general makes things easier. Yeah. But for every person at Carnegie Mellon who I went to school with or graduated with, who is working, there's another person who is not in the business or is, you know, doing something else great in, in, in law or uh, working as, as a writer or, or something else. So, yes, there are wonderful tools at certain schools, but you can get to the same place on Broadway by going through any school. It really is just about putting in the work after you get out of school. Right. And I also think a big value for me was putting the work while I was in school because yeah. you only get you get out what you put in right right and I came to Wagner and I was like Scott Barnhart who was in Book of Mormon yes, with you who I love dearly my best best friend and we met yeah. my junior year of college at Wagner and right. became instant pals we lived together for seven years yeah and um, you know like you said the people from Wagner and those people have stuck with me and have been yeah. have really been my rock through my entire adult life so I remember, though, I was, again, just very driven and very ambitious. I was taking dance classes in New York on the weekends. I was right. going to um, see every show that I could. Yeah. I was spending spring break going to open auditions while people were going to Cancun. You know, yeah. I, that, I was just, you know, you get out what you put in. Yeah. And then what was cool was I ended up booking my, I ended up booking Footloose the Musical in Las Vegas between my junior and senior year. And wow. it happened to time out perfectly with the end of classes and coming back to my senior year. Wow. Yeah. And it was non-union, but, yeah. um, but really my, probably my first real non-summer stock professional gig. Mm-hmm. And I turned 21 the week I arrived mm. in Vegas. Oh. So it was a very, um, eye-opening summer sure (laughs) las vegas opened my eyes a few times um but so much fun you know one of those summers where you're like i'll never have a summer like that ever yeah i probably wouldn't survive a summer like that. right because i mean like you you are in college doing what you love getting to go back to school in the cocoon of like you know once it's when you're in a job I, like right now, I'm in a, a wonderful, rare position where I'm about to finish a job and know, and I have time off, and then I know that I have one coming up yep. or that the, this job starts up again. That is such a rare mm-hmm. thing in our business because usually when the job ends, you have this time of finding the next thing. And it's such a scary, hard, difficult time. And that's usually your only vacation time. So it's you want to enjoy it, but it's hard to when you don't know what is coming around the corner. But when you're in college and you have a summer and you have a job, like you can just enjoy doing what you love and know that you're going back to your yeah. semester. It's, it makes things very yeah more relaxing because yeah. it's very rare for us, you know? Yes. Yeah, and I remember I, I, ended up, I ended up coming back, finishing my senior year, and I ended up booking Paper Mill right 
before I even finished my senior year. Wow. And the ensemble got my equity card. But you know how that happens. It's always an... I feel like I have a lot of full circle moments in my life. And this was one of those moments where I went to the audition, open audition for Carousel Paper Mill, and it was being choreographed by Robbie LaFosse. Do you know who that is? Yes. You do? Yeah. So he, you know, was Tony nominated in 1989 for Jerome Robbins Broadway. Right. Big musical theater nerd. I know this not only because I'm a nerd, but because... He's from Beaumont, Texas. Oh. And he took at my dance school that I took at in Beaumont. Oh. So I had the balls to go up to him in the open audition and be like, oh, he came to Beaumont when I was doing the Nutcracker one year mm. and guest artist at our little rinky-dink school. Wow. And I remembered him from that. I was like 12. I remember seeing this like grown man walking around in a dance belt and I was like, what's happening to me? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and um, I went up to him at the audition and I was like, I'm from Beaumont. And he ended up kind of pushing me to get the job. And I ended up booking my first equity gig at Paper Mill, doing Carousel. And then he did. And then that was 2001. So I graduated in May 2001, did Carousel Paper Mill. I ended up booking a really cool job in Philly. And while we were rehearsing that job, Ted Sperling was music directing it. Um, Rob Berman was the associate music director. Mm. Um, Robbie LaFosse was choreographing it. Sorry, Ted Sperling was directing it. And we were in rehearsals and 9-11 happened in the middle of rehearsals. Oh my God. And I <clears throat> was right out of college. It was very. It was a huge shock to my system. Yeah. To be in New York for that. Yeah. Especially when you're so hopeful, right out of college, and you're working, and you're like, "Oh, this is awesome," and then just to feel the effect of all that. Yeah. You know? No, it's got it. It. it, it I was in um, <clears throat> in Pittsburgh in college for it, and and uh, it, it, the plane that went down. Uh, in Pennsylvania was like 20 minutes away um, from Pittsburgh so it was you know, I mean, it was nothing but they shut down our school and you know um, everyone had to clear the campus and they, because there were like government contracts with Carnegie Mellon of course. so they you know and of course I was in the school of drama on the most dramatic day in history so it was just like Greek tragedy screaming running out you know like and I was my, at an audition oh my god <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, but I I know that to my friends who were in college or immediately out of college in New York City, that that being here for that day is probably something that like it's almost like they're just starting to talk about it now because I had some friends who I wanted to know what you know and they didn't want to talk about it like in the year or two afterwards and I feel like people are just now kind of being like well this you know this is what happened and this is what my day was for some friends who were in NYU and downtown and you know I was yeah I had not I'm not going to get into the long story of it but I I had an audition that morning for Saturday Night Fever for Mm -hmm. the tour Craig Burns was running it and Craig and I were sort of we were friends socially and it was the audition was at 890 Broadway which nobody uses for auditions anymore down at Union Square yeah. And I got off at Union Square and I saw the second plane hit <sighs> right there, like just right as soon as I got off the train. Oh my God. And I didn't really understand what it was. So I was a bit in shock and I just went up to the audition and, you know, and I was, I had gotten off that morning for rehearsals from the show. It was Lady in the Dark was, was the musical. 
and then they ended up canceling rehearsal. I remember we ended up having the audition, which was so bizarre. We were learning the dance combination, and then as soon as we learned the dance combination, they put us in the hallway, and that while we had been dancing was when the buildings collapsed. So we didn't even know what was happening. So then I walk out in the hall, and people are like, the buildings collapsed. Like oh I couldn't God. even understand it. Couldn't call my family in Texas, and my mom had always told me that if we were ever under attack, Texas would be a target because of the oil wells, <laughs> whatever that means. So I was like, oh no, they blew up Texas. You know, I'm mm-hmm. freaking out. Anyway, so 9-11, you know, for me was a huge um, hurdle. Mm-hmm. You know, once we got through that, I emotionally just didn't quite know how to how to handle it because I'd never, and I lived alone. I was living in Hell's Kitchen right over here by myself and in rehearsals and um so for me you know and then we ended up going to philly to do the show and for me i i really got heavily involved in drinking and drugs at mm-hmm. that time had you, know? you had you been drinking before or yeah you know, like but not that was something that just like really turned it, it from triggered it. fun or a little over the top to being like to medication right it was like i couldn't not hmm big big pot smoker and big drinker and I just but isolated like I didn't do it without the people I would do it mostly by myself and um, and that sort of started to sort of invade a lot of my life at the time yeah and so I I I worked and I had um, I was a great agent and I was doing a lot of you know dancing in the ensemble because I had spent so much of my childhood and college I had this ability to be a great dancer and you know, but I, you know, I'd also been studying acting my whole life, but the dancing sort of was a great avenue for me to get into and get employed. Right. And, um, and so I kept, and it was a perfect fit for me to be an understudy and, you know, cause I had the acting ability and I'd also c- could dance, but dancing was never like, I never was like, Oh, I just want to dance. Right. I loved musical theater. I wanted to do, tell stories through, through music. Yeah. So anyway, I worked, I worked, and, you know, I did, like, a lot of regional stuff, but I could never get that Broadway show, and I didn't, I could not understand why. Like, I would go in, I'd get down to the end, I would never book. And I remember I did, you know, some summer stock stuff, and I worked up at Main State, and this was 2003, 2004? And um, right before I left, I was like... I start. Oh, I started going to therapy. That was that was a huge help for me because I didn't. I had lived in this fantasy land for so long that I was just going to move to New York and then I was just going to be on Broadway and then it was just like going to happen. Right. I didn't know about paying the bills. Right. No one had taught me that. Right. No one told me I was going to pay the rent. Right. Feed yourself. Figure <laughs> out how to make things. Yeah. I hadn't yeah. thought about that. Mm-hmm. I thought it'll all just like magically happen. Right. Um. It sounds crazy, but it's true. I just hadn't thought that far ahead in my life. Um, And I was, I remember it was like, you know, rock bottom for me. I was living in Hell's Kitchen and I was like eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches because I couldn't afford to eat. And I was, I would go do these regional jobs and I would come back with no money. Right. Because I spent it all on wine and beer and drugs. So you know, I had to get a job and somebody got me this waiting tables job, which I hated and I was terrible at. And, um, and then I ended up, you know, I, I worked so many survival jobs and then I temped a little bit and I was temping. 
actually, I was temping right after we got back from Philly. I guess, that was the first thing I did at a construction site mm. in Jersey City. Okay. Which my what does that mean? My window had a view of the smokestack of 9-11. Wow. So that was depressing. Yeah. Yeah. In the winter. But wait, so you were at a construction company, like not... In a trailer. In a trailer. On the construction site okay. with a window overlooking the smokestack. Wow. In like January, February of 2002. Wow. So depressing. Yeah. And so I was like, mm, I don't like temping. And then I waited tables. Oh, I don't like waiting tables. And I remember I was just like trying to figure it out. Just trying to figure it out, you know? And then... I booked a tour. I did a tour of The Sound of Music playing Rolf. Fun. With such a Ralph. <laughs> Rolf. 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 But a Ralph, too. Yeah. Yeah. And That's uh, in Beaumont. It was Ralph. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and when I came back from that tour, I was like, you know, I need to... I need to get a therapy. Like, I need to find a therapist. So I called the Actors Fund because mm-hmm. I couldn't pay the rent. I had just spent all my money. I didn't understand why... I didn't have any money. I didn't understand why I couldn't pay the bills. It was like, right. I just hadn't taught, I just didn't have these, these, these tools in my belt. Right. And um, the Actress Fund was amazing. They sent me money to help me pay the rent. Wow. And they helped me find a therapist. And right. I started seeing my therapist and dealing with a lot of this, that Texas wreckage that I had to kind of right. sift through and, and emotionally kind of come to terms with. Even the 9-11 stuff. Um, also, you know, I had a twin brother my whole life, and then I was now separated from him. And I was having a lot of separation stuff. You know, it was like a lot of, you know, personal stuff I had to, to, to deal with. Yeah. But one of the big things was he was like, do you think you have a drinking problem? Because <laughs> I would come into therapy once a week and be like, mm, I blacked out again. I don't really know why that keeps happening. He's like, do you think you have a drinking problem? I'm like, no, no, it's my mom or it's, you know. Yeah. And he was like, well, if it's not, if you don't have a problem, why don't you just stop? And I was like, okay. So I went, I think I think I went a week without drinking, and I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't think I can do this. So I started going to 12-step meetings, which I found really helpful. Mm-hmm. And what was interesting was once I started kind of really committing to that, which is the only thing I think I'd ever really clearly committed to in my life, I mean, everything had just been, you know, I just had floated and floated and floated. Things started to sort of happen. Like I just started to find income. And then I, um, a lot of the tools I learned in 12 steps, I was like, you know, praying and meditating. I remember I went to not to an audition and for Broadway show, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. And I just like was before we went in the audition, it was the first time I'd ever done this. I was writing mantras. Right. Right before I went in, you have enough. You are enough. You have everything you need. Blah blah blah. Just like trying to like believe it because the self esteem had just been just demolished. Yeah. Trying to build that back up, and I remember I went in. It was Jillian Lynn, and I'm like, oh my god, cats. You know, (laughs) it was like Adrian Noble. Oh my god, they're Royal Shakespeare Company. Yeah. And um, and and I booked it. That was my first Broadway show, and to me, you know, cash and prizes, whatever. But I felt like it was a sign yeah that this is the right thing like why don't you just stay sober hmm. and that was 12 years ago wow and you know chitty happened i did that for a year and then it closed um and 
I remember thinking, oh my God, that's it. I'm never going to work in Bombay again. <laughs> right. Um, and I was so grateful I had meetings and I had, you know, community and I, that kept me really involved. And then I decided, I got invited to go. This is a cool story. I got invited to go to France with Ted Sperling and Michael Arden and um, this really fun group of people. Ted was renting a chateau outside of Paris and he was like, do you want to come? I'm inviting my friends. Like just a handful of us that, that got to go. And I felt very honored and excited. And I didn't have a job and I didn't have any money, but I put it on my credit card and I was like, I'm just going to go. And I was newly sober. <laughs> so imagine France with a group of theater people. But yeah. I kept thinking, oh my God, my social life is going to be over because I don't drink anymore. Right. It was the opposite. Um, and on the way, I was my flight was that afternoon or evening. And I ended up going to this audition that day. I brought mm-hmm. my suitcase with me, my suitcase for France with me, to the audition. It was for Beauty and the Beast. And I go through the audition. Under, it's for the Understudy of Lumiere Ensemble. And I remember the choreographer came out and was talking to me in the hall. And I had my suitcase. He said, what's, what's the suitcase for? And I said, oh, I'm flying to Paris tonight. And he's like, well, what happens if you book this? This is immediate replacement. And I said, well, if I book it, I'm going to ask you guys to wait until I get back. <laughs> <laughs> and I booked it. Wow. I went, I was literally in line at the airport and my agent called, getting on the flight and my agent called me and said, you booked Beauty and the Beast. They're going to let you start rehearsals when you get back. And the whole musical takes place in France. So I got to ride the whole trip off on my taxes as oh. research. Wow. <laughs> worked out that was my second Broadway show that's amazing and that was cool and being the Disney nerd that I am like being in Beauty and the Beast was so cool and there was another full circle moment in that show when I was in high school we came my choir we sang at Carnegie Hall in my sophomore year of high school and that was like maybe the second time I'd ever been in New York we came once when I was nine and I saw Phantom of the Opera my first Broadway show and then 15 we came and I made my mom take me she came with me take me to see Tommy Beauty and the Beast I think we saw something else I can't remember um and Sarah Uriarty Berry was playing Belle and she was Sarah Uriarty at the time and uh when I joined Beauty and the Beast that time when I joined the company they mm-hmm. brought Donny Osmond in to play Gaston uh huh and when he came in, they brought Sarah Urarty in to play Belle. And I was like, this is like a full circle wow. moment. Wow. That was cool. That's cool. It's, it's great when those things happen. Yeah. When you can just, you can see where you are presently through the eyes of where you were as a kid. Yeah. And remember why you started this journey. And, and it makes you appreciate that present moment so much I'm more. so sentimental like I will yeah take those moments and just go oh look at that but I'm not honestly I think things like that I sort of contribute that to having clarity and that and yeah. just being able to take everything in and being take, present being present being present I wasn't before. Is, yeah no it's it's a big deal it is I mean uh so before we wrap up like yeah. usually I like to um ask people because we start from where you were as a kid to where you are now. And I think there are a lot of young people who listen to this podcast who are trying to get to where we are. Yeah. And if you could talk to Brett in Beaumont at the community, uh-huh. Beaumont Community Players, you know, what are, what's the thing that you would tell him now, you know, knowing all that you know? 
Um, I guess I would say to him, you can relax. <laughs> like, it's all going to happen. Mm-hmm. Everything you want to happen will happen. Mm-hmm. If you have a little more faith, a little more trust. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so Disney. Um, <laughs> but also just, you need to believe that it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to try to force it as much. Right. It's so funny because that's exactly what I say. You know, I think there's there that we are very similar in a lot of our, our like our where we came from and how we've approached this business mm-hmm. and you know our stories certainly yeah, end up and in also the same like place. you know we're both married yeah you know yes and I think being you know there, I I just don't meet a lot of married monogamous yeah <laughs> yeah gay men yeah um, and. You know, so we do have, we have a lot in common. Yes. Yeah. Well, I've always looked up to you, looked to you, Thank you. Uh, and, and and just think that you conduct yourself in life and in this business in a really, a, a, a wonderful way, a positive way. You, you uh, have what I want, you know, and that, that is always kind of been like a guiding light for me, you know, from early on. And I know you're just a year above me but I just look up to you especially because of that and uh, I think you're great Brett Thanks thank for you so me. much for being so this open like a fun talking. journey to yeah. talk to you about I, it was pretty deep yes well that's alright we get deep here at Living the Dream <laughs> we like to go there um, thank you so much thank you audition side job swimming upstream believe it or not you're living the dream Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.